It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. Time to turn on the Shark Spotlight. Nick Benino has found a roundabout way to get himself into a Sharks uniform. Originally drafted by the team in 2007, 173rd overall in the sixth round, he was part of a big trade with the Anaheim Ducks in the 2008-2009 season while a student at Boston University. Along with goaltending prospect Timo Peelmeyer, he was exchanged to the Ducks for Travis Moen and Kent Huskins. And so now it's full circle for Benino as he returns to the team that drafted him for the first time in 14 years. Yeah, definitely. It's been a while since that draft, 14 years. And um, was talking with Couture about it the other day, actually. Just, uh, you know, we both were in the 07 draft and um, now getting a chance to play with him and with the Sharks. I'm pretty excited. You grew up in my home state, Connecticut, and you didn't live too far from where you eventually went to school at Avon Old Farms. But how did you get introduced to the game of hockey, and who were your favorite players growing up? You know, my parents uh, took me to a learn to skate when I was, I was either three or four, and, um, you know, hockey wasn't in the family, wasn't, uh, you know, something my, my dad had played a bit, uh, like pond hockey and stuff, but um, it was just kind of a shot in the dark, and, and I... I went out there, I learned to skate and, um, you know, I, I guess I enjoyed it and, um, the rest is history. I just really fell in love with hockey and wanted to play, um, as much as I could throughout my childhood. My parents drove me everywhere. Um, pretty amazing. And, uh, yeah, I think, um, growing up, obviously we had the Whalers in Hartford for, I think I was six when they, when they moved, I was at their last game. And, um, from there I followed Shanahan to the Red Wings and, uh, uh, that was my favorite team, and it was a good time to be a Red Wings fan in the late '90s, early 2000s. They were um, they were pretty good, uh, you know, winning back-to-back cups, and um, just the, the players on that team were were, were guys that uh, you want to model your game around, and and uh, and I really enjoyed watching them. So yeah, I was a I was a big Red Wings fan. And when did you start to get the idea that you were a pretty good player, that you had maybe some talents that uh, some of your fellow players in in high school or maybe even before that didn't have? Yeah, I guess, you know, with most guys in the NHL, there comes a point when you you realize you're a little bit better than everyone at that level. Um, you know, for me, the it didn't really come until um, I mean, I knew I knew I was I was doing pretty well. I was scoring more goals and getting more points than, than other kids. But I think in high school, when um, when I made that transition from public school to Avon Old Farms and I grew a little bit. Uh, that was big. You know, I grew uh, maybe five, six inches in a year or two and put on some, some weight. Um, and then, yeah. And then you start having schools calling and you start to think, wow, I could, I could take this to the next level. And even then the NHL is such a, a dream. Um, you know, for me, at least even getting drafted, you still realize you have such a long way to go. And, um, I, I guess I didn't really, you know, think about playing in the NHL too much, but um, I just kept progressing and kept getting better. And 
um, yeah, it ended up happening. You talk about Avon Old Farms. It's one of the great prep schools in the state of Connecticut that's produced so many outstanding hockey players, but also great students. Academically, it's a challenge compared to public school with all due respect to all the public schools everywhere. But I wanted to talk about John Gardner, the head coach of that team for so many years who you played for. He's such a legend in in Connecticut prep circles. And I just wanted to to find out how much you learned about hockey from him and, and what a mentor he was for you. Yeah, he was great. Um, you know, to this day, we're still texting each other. And um, I talk to him every summer. Uh, I, I was in Connecticut in the off season, so we would golf. We're, we're not in Connecticut anymore. But um, it was, uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a big step up from public high school. And um, uh, especially, you know, uh, academically, of course, but especially hockey, the, it was that much faster. You know, guys on every team were committed to top D1 schools. And um, you know, he, he's been doing what he's been doing for so long that, um, he knows how to deal with every type of player. He's calm. He's pretty funny. He's a really funny guy, really dry sense of humor. Um, and he's, and he can be serious when he needs to be. So you go to a prep school like that, where, you know, out of 400 students, I don't know, 200 when we're trying out for the varsity team, um, there's a really good rich hockey tradition there. And I think, you know, the vast majority of it can be attributed to, to John Gardner. One thing that's definite about the prep school culture is that there's a real emphasis on getting into as good a college as possible, not only because you're a hockey player, but because you're also a student. Tell us about that culture. Yeah, I mean, I I would say I'm probably biased. I really, you know, love the college route. I think there's a lot of, of pros to junior hockey, too. But, you know, the vast majority of hockey players don't end up, you know, in the NHL making a lot of money. And I think when, when you do go to college and you get an education, you can get a degree. Um, it's always there for you and you can go as long as you can playing hockey. And when you're done, you know, you have that in your back pocket. So, um, personally I I enjoyed school. I thought it was, you know, not every class, not every subject, but, uh, it's always nice to learn. Um, it's something I hope my kids, um, can take from my wife and I, my wife and me that, uh, that, you know, just, just, trying to gain knowledge and, and having fun in school and meeting friends. And um, I also like the the schedule college had, you know, you didn't have to figure stuff out. It's like the off season every summer when uh, all of a sudden we're told, you know, do whatever you want. There's not set times. There's not a schedule or they're, they're not feeding us all the time. Um, you're kind of lost for a little bit. I thought in college, you know, as a young guy, you're getting that structure. Um, you're getting your workouts. There's, there's great weight programs at pretty much every college. Um, and that was huge for me too, was, was, with Mike Boyle putting on some weight and muscle and working out the right way. Um, yeah, so I, obviously I was fortunate enough to go to a great school, a great hockey school, but a great academic school. And, um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been nice to, to keep in touch with buddies from there. That of course was Boston university. And, uh, we've seen a lot of practices for NHL teams at Aganis arena. What a beautiful facility that is. And it's a, it's a good practice place for, for a lot of clubs, but for you, it was a real change to your life because actually you met your wife there. I did. Yeah. We, we roomed together, uh, or not roomed together. We roomed in the same dorm, uh, my freshman year. And yes. Our dating freshman year. She's best hockey player in the family. Uh, amazing skater. Uh, and obviously now uh, an amazing mother. So it's been um, uh, great to, that, 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 that happened. I think, you know, the odds of, of her coming all the way to BU just from uh, her point of view was, um, was pretty, 
pretty cool. You know, Brian DeRocher, who uh, is the women's hockey coach, went all the way out to Alberta to to recruit her, and, and I'm glad he did. Um, so, yeah, it was fun watching her in school. Our senior year, I had left after my junior year, but she, her team um, went to the finals, and uh, unfortunately they, they didn't win, but it was pretty fun, uh, you know, throughout her four years going to her games and um, watching – her grow as a player and in her team, uh, it, was, it was pretty cool to, to have that. Your wife's name is Lauren, and I suppose it's got to be a big advantage with uh, a lot of young women playing the sport and playing at a high level as she did, that uh, when you end up having a relationship with someone like that, they understand everything that you're going through. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's really good when I do come home from games and, um, you know, that ability to, to kind of hash out what happened and, and break stuff down a little bit probably more in depth than, than most couples could just with her background in hockey. So um, I think it's great at times when I don't want to hear it, it's not, but uh, she's, you can always trust her to tell me, you know, get your act together and, uh, and figure it out. So I, I do um, feel fortunate in that. What's it like being a parent? It's awesome. It's busy, but uh, it's really fun. We've got, uh, you know, two girls, five and three and, and a little boy um, almost four months now. So like I said before with Lauren, she's, with them when we're on the road, it's pretty amazing, you know, watching, watching her work. It's, uh, she's very patient. It's something that, uh, that I'm working on, but, uh, the, the patience you need as a parent is, uh, it's pretty crazy. They, um, you know, they need attention, they need love and, um, we give them as much of that as we can. And, um, you know, we're learning a lot from them for sure. I didn't ask you this before, but how big a family did you come from? How many kids were in your family? Uh, two, two of us. A brother or a sister? Uh, a sister, yeah. And Lauren's from um, one of five. So she had the big family. And uh, yeah, and we're at three. So see what happens. Well, obviously, that's a, that's a great story and certainly a big part of, uh, of the whole package for, for you coming to the San Jose Sharks. I want to stay at BU for a little bit because you were part of one of the most amazing NCAA championship games in NCAA history, really. It was in uh, Washington, D.C., and it was against Miami University. And it came down to the final minute. Looked like Miami was actually going to win. Some people on the uh, on the sidelines were going up to Steve Cady, the AD, was trying to congratulate him for winning the championship. He said the game's not over. And as it turned out, it wasn't. You guys ended up winning. Just give it. Give us an idea of that entire atmosphere in our nation's capital and winning the national championship. Yeah, we we had a stacked team that year. We were number one, pretty much wire to wire. All six of our defensemen played in the NHL. You know, my line, I was with a, a former Shark, John McCarthy, and Brandon Yip uh, played in the NHL. Colin Wilson was on that team. So we were we were loaded. You know, you have 10, 10 NHL players on a college team. Um, we were the heavy favorites, and Miami came in as a 16 seed, had snuck into the tournament and, and had an awesome run. And they were a really good, hardworking team. They were up 3-1 on us uh, going into the last minute of the game, like you said. And, uh, got two goals, tied it up, went to overtime, and uh, – Colby Cohen kind of hit a uh, hit a guy with a slap shot and it went over the top. You can watch that video, but uh, yeah, it was it was you know it was kind of fun because um, you always remember you always remember the way you won that game. Um, of course, you want to win a national championship any way you want. Winning you know five nothing would have been great too, but just the fashion that went down, um, you know, having that memory with your buddies and. Um, it was pretty exciting. So we were in DC. Uh, the building was, was packed all red and white. Both teams were red and white. So that's a, a memory I'll, um, I'll always have for sure. 
You were a sophomore that year. John McCarthy was one of the co-captains of the hockey team. What kind of a teammate was he like? He's the best. He was, uh, you know, from I was drafted uh, before I got to college and, and he was obviously a draft pick of the Sharks. So I reached out to him even before I'd gotten to school. And, and you know, right away, you can see what kind of guy he was. He's um, one of the hardest working. He's, he was quiet, but but uh, would speak when he needed to speak. And, um, you know, I've always said about Johnny Mack, you know, if he doesn't like you, something's something's wrong because he's uh, he's one of the best guys I know in the hockey world. So sure, I'll see him around the rink with uh, with the Barracuda and the Sharks sharing that facility. And um, yeah, I'm happy to uh, to be back close to him. He's a great guy. Here's a story you can tell Kevin LeBanc that the first time that John McCarthy went back to Washington with the Sharks uh, since that national championship game. Guess who his roommate was with the Sharks that that particular road trip? It was Tommy Wingles who played for Miami. Oh, no. They were roommates when they were their first trip back to that rink after that experience. How about that for a coincidence? Yeah, I wonder how that went in the room that night. I think they had a couple of pretty good talks. Uh, they both kind of smiled a little bit about it. And Tommy's one of the great guys, too. A good Sharks alumnus. But uh, I thought you might like to hear that story. And also... Uh, I suppose that Kevin LeBanc probably filled you in on on his little crazy hockey story, Game 7 against the Vegas Golden Knights and how he had four points with a five-minute major. Uh, that's got to be right up there with the BU win for craziest finishes. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. I remember watching that. Uh, I think I was in a hotel room. I was driving back um, to, I think, to wherever I was that summer, maybe Connecticut from from Nashville. And that was, yeah, that was a pretty crazy game watching that. Boy, it sure was. So you get to uh, the Sharks organization, they draft you, and all of a sudden you're traded. When you're not even with an organization yet and you, your rights get traded, uh, what goes through your mind? Well, that was an odd day. You know, I got a text from my agent in the morning and it said, uh, you know, there's a chance you get traded today. And I hadn't really ever thought of that possibility at all. I mean, I'm in college, I'm, I'm playing and uh, I remember I went back to class and I started writing down a list of teams I'd want to go to and teams I wouldn't just based on weather. Um, and uh, just a college kid just, yeah, I didn't know. And then I went to practice. Practice was at three, which was the trade deadline. So we had to walk over to the practice rink uh, at, um, at about 245. We were practicing at Walter Brown Arena. And I remember when I'd left, I hadn't been traded. And I remember Getting back to Aganis at, uh, you know, 345, nobody had said anything to me while we were at Wally B. I got back to Aganis, checked my phone, and I had, you know, I had 30 texts, but nobody told me who I got traded to. So uh, so I ran into the, the trainer's room, and uh, Mike DeMello was in there, and I had him go on NHL and check it out. So I was, um, like you said, it was uh, the President's Trophy, and I think you ended up playing Anaheim in the first round, one versus eight, right? And, That's correct. Uh, so, yeah, so – uh, definitely an odd, it didn't work out like the Sharks wanted, but I'm happy, uh, happy to be back. It was, uh, it was definitely, um, you know, a team that I, I, I enjoyed development camps. I enjoyed, um, the guys, the, the guys around the room, the trainers, the staff, but, uh, yeah, it was definitely a shock, a shock to be traded. We've mentioned development camps a couple of times in these discussions, and I know that that's a relatively recent sort of development that the NHL has put together with all, all the junior kids and college kids and some Europeans to sort of get an idea of what it's like to be part of an organization. But I know you didn't begin your NHL career with the Sharks, but how valuable is that experience and, and what do you think that does for a young player? 
Yeah, I think it's it's definitely valuable. Just getting around. Um, I think especially when when you have guys who've played NHL games who are still going to those development camps because they you know maybe have played twenty. I think after I uh, in Anaheim after I'd played nine games after I'd signed and got came out of college, I had to go to development camp that summer and um, ended up rooming with Cam Fowler and uh, we went to Penticton for a tournament. And I think you definitely learn from from those guys who've played games. You learn from other from the staff, from pros who are around the rink. Um, there's just a lot to take in. It's, it's a different setup, a different vibe than a college room. And um, I would imagine than a junior room. And um, yeah, I remember just soaking it all in, just feeling pretty fortunate and, and uh, thinking it was pretty cool to be um, wearing, uh, you know, NHL, NHL gear. And um, that was something that, uh, yeah, that I thought was beneficial for sure. You're listening to the Shark Spotlight on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. We continue our conversation with Shark Center Nick Benino. You finally got to the NHL with the Anaheim Ducks and you played with Tamu Solani. Tell us about that experience. That was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. He, uh, he was just a great person, obviously a great player, Hall of Fame, one of the best ever. So um, had a lot of fun, learned a lot from T, just watching him around the rink. And, um, you know, one of the best skaters, best shot you've ever seen. Uh, we had a really good run. I played a lot with him uh, my last year in Anaheim. Um, yeah, just uh, too bad. We we lost to LA in seven. We had a really good team, really good team that year. But uh, yeah, just a ton of memories from Timu. And um, he was happy. He'd come to the rink happy. He, he played with Carlisle. So it was funny to see that dynamic. Um you know, he'd write stuff on the board or race stuff and uh, just just a bunch of stuff that uh, that only T could get away with. And, um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy to uh, to think my first goal was assisted by him. And he grabbed it. He went and grabbed it out of the net for me. So that was pretty amazing. What about going from New England to the West Coast to play hockey? Yeah, everyone on the East Coast was upset, uh, everyone that I knew, because they'd have to stay up till, you know, 10 o'clock to watch games. It's late, late night, especially my grandparents who'd you know, until they passed, watched every game, were my biggest fans. Um, so it was uh, it was a transition, but, uh, you know, someone's – I forget who said it to me, but you got to stay – you got to be happy. You're coming to the rink in flip-flops. You're, you're living in an amazing area. Um, they call it small market, but there is – the fans that we had in Anaheim were, you know, as, as big a hockey fans as you could find. They love their team. They love the game, and I'm sure it's that way here in San Jose – uh, just from playing as an away player, um, you know, at SAP, it's just loud. It's it's intimidating. So, um, you know, California, you wouldn't think it's known for hockey, but there's a, you know, hockey, it seems like youth hockey is growing and, um, you know, pretty passionate fan bases for all the teams. And um, that's what I found in Anaheim. It was a lot of fun to play in, in uh, on the West Coast for sure. After five years in Anaheim, you went to Vancouver. That's also the West Coast, but it's a little different, isn't it? Yeah, it was it was fun. You know, it was my first taste of playing for a Canadian team, and it's um, it's pretty crazy. You know, you're on Sports Center now. You're you know, you turn on the TV, and they're not talking about football or basketball or baseball as much. It's hockey. It's you know, you're on there when you. It's it's just a, a big culture shock for me. The media is crazy. The fans um, are pretty pretty engaged and pretty excited about their team. So I, I, we did it. We had a great team that year too. And um, I thought I'd be there for a while. Like I, you know, like you think in every team, um, you know, my meeting at the end of the year was great. And 
ended up buying a house. Uh, we bought a place, our first place we'd bought. Um, and then, yeah, traded a month later in what they like to call a hockey trade, the GM. So um, that was a, that was a shock, shock to the system. Cause we, we did not expect that. Um, we had a great, you know, had a good year in van, um, great group of guys. So that was, um, that was definitely a fun year. But that hockey trade was pretty fortuitous for you because you ended up going to Pittsburgh where you won two straight Stanley Cups. How much of a learning experience was it to practice with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin every day? Yeah, it was, uh, like like you said, it was definitely a good team to be traded to, I think. You know, immediately uh, out of the gate, we weren't great. Um, the only reason we were even in the mix was uh, Marc-Andre Fleury there. He was out of his mind good the first half of that year. Um, and then, yeah, you know, Sully came in and that's when things kind of clicked. He's a very, you know, vocal, uh, almost intimidating uh, presence. And you want to, you want to play hard for him and you want to win for him. I remember my first game with him, I ended up fighting my first NHL fight. Uh, so it was, um, it was definitely a good change for the team. You learn from guys, you know, Gino's one of the most uh, skilled guys I've ever seen. He's, and he's big and, he can engage you physically, but he can also play a skill game. And, you know, I can't say enough about Sid. Everything you read about him is, is true. He's an amazing leader, amazing player. He, he's one of the best, you know, obviously one of the most skilled guys in the game, but he, he doesn't shy away from the corners. He's one of the best grinding players you'll find. You can't get the puck off him. He's low. And, uh, you know, there, there wasn't a, a crazy amount of speeches out of Sid. He didn't have to. You just watched him. Uh, the way he carried himself, the way he practiced um, was just, you know, you couldn't ask for more. So um, he led the way and uh, we had some amazing older, older players there like Matt Cullen and uh, Chris Kunitz and, and, you know, Dupuis before he um, finished. So it was, uh, it was a, a pretty fun room to be a part of. And, you know, I've made some great friends there and as you obviously do when you win sometimes, but uh yeah, it was uh, it was a really fun two years there. Well, also you have to mention your line mates. The HBK line was uh, was pretty scary in that in that final series against the Sharks. That, that it's got to be special when things click like that. Yeah, you know, injuries are, are where you get a lot of opportunity in this league. It's as sad as that is, and Gino went down with about twenty games left in the year, and uh, you know I got to play with uh, Phil and Haglin and. Uh, from the get-go, I don't know what we, we had a point of game for about 40 games in a row there. It seemed like it was, uh, you know, we were just, it, it was just with when Gino came back, especially matchups were really hard. You have a guy like Phil who can score 40 goals, uh, you know, on the third line. And, and it just presents some, some tough, tough matchups, um, for opposing teams. And, and we found, you know, right away with, the, with our series, with, with the Rangers, with Washington, with, with Tampa and with San Jose, you know, that you, you have to figure out who you want to stop. And, and the puck just kept going in for us. And when you have, you know, depth scoring like that uh, throughout a playoff run, you're usually going to go pretty far. You know, Cully and Fairzy uh, were scoring. Um, it just, you know, it's one of those times everything went right. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun with, uh, with Phil and Hags for sure. So winning the Stanley Cup for the very first time, it's the culmination of every hockey player's biggest dreams. And you did it at SAP Center at San Jose. How close was it from your perspective? What are your thoughts about what it was like to play the Sharks in the Stanley Cup final? And what are your great memories from there? Oh, yeah, it was definitely close. I mean, game one, we were up 2 nothing, And I think we were 
we were just so confident. Uh, you know, we're like, oh, we got this. And all of a sudden it was 2-2. I think Marlowe had a, a wraparound goal and one was maybe an off-angle shot that beat Murray through the legs. And, um, yeah, I think Latang made a great pass to me late, ended up getting one. And um, we got out of there with game one. We got game two in overtime, right? Was that Shiri? And, I mean, you, you look at that, that's two games de- decided in the last, either in overtime or the last two minutes. So, there's no easy games in the playoffs. It's there's no easy series. And, and when you get to the finals, you know, the team you're playing is the, the best, the best team in the league besides you. So yeah, I went out to San Jose, uh, dropped those two and then came home, had a pretty good game five and, uh, and yeah, game six was able to get it done. But um, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a tight series the whole way. And of course, the most memorable goal you ever scored was in game one, not only because it was the winner in, in game one of the final, but, also because, uh, in at least in the Punjabi language, it's been played over and over again. You, you got a copy of that on a ringtone or something? Yeah, I know. I've been asked that. Uh, yeah, Harnarayan Singh, what a great guy. And that whole team uh, they, they have on Sportsnet with the Punjabi, it's, um, it's pretty amazing. I've been, you know, fortunate enough to, to keep in touch with him. They came to the parade, actually. I always like to say he put me on the map there. So um, it was a pretty whirlwind thing for, for him, too. But uh yeah, that was a pretty that was a pretty fun call for sure. Guys on the ice would would line up against me and uh, start doing the Benino 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 thing. So it was a, it was a fun year for sure. What are the differences when you know when when you get to go through it again after you've won it the first time? Yeah, you know, our first year it seemed more. I don't want to use the word fun, but it seemed like we were kind of caught up in the moment and uh, and it just was happening and we were going with it and um, we were loose and and you know the second year I think we were loose, but I also think we had a swagger to us where, you know, you just won, you feel like you're the best team in the league. And it almost had a more business-like approach in my mind. It was, uh, you know, from the get-go, there was, there was no, that was the goal. The goal was to win the Stanley cup was to repeat. And um, that was it. It wasn't like, you know, we're going to hope to make the playoffs or we're going to hope to make a little noise. We wanted to win again. And um, I think that determination uh, throughout the whole year was there and, um, yeah, again, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't easy by any means. The second cup that you won in 2017 was against the Nashville Predators in a pretty wild atmosphere in Music City. But you had your own challenges, didn't you? Yeah, you know, I actually didn't get to play a game there. My, I broke my leg in game two. I broke it in the first period uh, right through the tibia. Went back into the locker room, shot it up, and ended up playing, you know, 17 minutes on it. Uh, the wonder of medicine, modern medicine. I remember waking up the next morning. I walked out of the rink. I, I, I just played seven to whatever, how many minutes I played. I, I said to Lauren, oh, it's broken, but I'll get through this. And um, I remember I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning. I went to take a step out of bed and I just crumbled. It was just impossible to, to bear weight on it. So um, went to Nashville, watched game three. We lost and, and decided to try to practice. So we shot it up. And again, I, I just can't stress enough how broken it was, but it was, you hear stories like that. Just everyone wants to play. So I decided I would practice on it. So we practiced for about 40 minutes and I couldn't really turn, but I could kind of, kind of play. We shot it up about 75% of what we would for the game. And um, game four took warm ups. We shot it up full hundred percent, whatever medicine they put in me. And uh, um, I took warm ups. I just couldn't do it. I felt like there was a chance, but, the last thing I want to do is, you know, go down again. Now the team has 11 forwards or, you know, not be good. So 
that was that was pretty heartbreaking. It, it seemed like you know you you've played however many twenty one playoff games now, and you're not going to be there, and you you really want to help the team. Um, but uh, you know, fortunately for me, uh, it was two to two. We went back home and took the guys took care of business. Game five, they they had a a huge win, and uh, in game six, Horny uh, Hornquist late in the game and we were all sitting in the locker room waiting to get dressed. Uh, horny scored and, you know, all the extra guys got dressed. We actually shot my ankle up again so I could go out and celebrate. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, that was, um, Nashville of course was, was pretty amazing. You saw the footage of it. Um, and yeah, we definitely remembered that as the off season came for sure. And how strange it is that you end up with the predators the next year. Yeah. I mean, you break it, you buy it, right? So uh, we uh, ended up working on the, the leg over the summer. It felt good, and we went to free agency, and we were close to going back to Pittsburgh. But, um, uh, you know, as, as you get older, you want as much term as you can and was able to get a great four-year deal with, with the Preds and really loved where their team was going. And um, obviously the environment, the atmosphere I'd just seen, uh, it was uh, something that I definitely didn't uh, – couldn't pass on. So our family went there and had a, you know, an awesome, awesome three years in Nashville. What do you want to bring to the San Jose Sharks organization? Well, just, uh, just try to be myself. You know, I, I feel like every room I go into, I just, um, try to be as real as I can. I'm a pretty positive, uh, happy guy. Um, not much gets me down. I'm obviously that you get frustrated throughout a year, but, um, try to be the best teammate I can be there for guys. Um, on the ice, you know, I'm, um, responsible. I think that's the best word for me. I want to be, um, good in every end. Obviously I want to produce, but, uh, I think I, I feel like I'm proud of the fact that if I'm not producing, uh, I'm doing things to help the team win, whether that's winning face-offs or, um, you know, playing against other guys, top lines or blocking shots, killing penalties, um, being a good teammate, which, um, which is definitely important. So, that's what I'll hopefully bring to the Sharks. I think, you know, we've got a good team and, um, you know, coming in with Cogs here with Cogliano, uh, there's a couple older guys with, uh, with some, some time in the league. I think we'll do everything we can to, you know, to help the team. Our thanks to Nick Benino for joining us. I'm Dan Rusinowski. The Shark Spotlight is a presentation of the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.